0: and Sherwin-Williams.
1: Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host. Ladies and gentlemen, so good to be here today. Uh, another another week in the world of paint. Uh, enjoying myself, the ups and the downs. You know, I was reflecting with our guests before the show about the um, You know, being back in the paint industry, you know, some some of you have done this yourselves. You've you've you started in it, you needed a break, you went to something else, you came back. And you know, the thing that is on my mind today is that I'm actually grateful for the problems of the paint industry, of the paint business. I'm grateful for them because what I realized is that the problems that we face aren't different than the problems in any other industry. Uh, they're, they're, not, they're really not. The, the customer issues, the employee issues, the, uh, the self-doubt, the exhaustion, the burnout, uh, the fears, all of it. It's in every other business that you could be a part of. But at least in painting, we get to pay people's houses. We get to make their stuff look good. And that makes the problems worth it in my mind. So I am just feeling uh, a, a whole lot of gratitude for uh, for this life and this business. And uh, I'm grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for the audience. I get so many comments on how this podcast is helping you. And uh, I can't tell you how humbling it is to hear from you guys. And, and uh, you know, when you let me know how, how the podcast and and the conversations that we have here are changing your life and changing your business. Um, I, it's it's uh, it's very humbling. I have to admit that. Of course, this uh, podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of the PCA. PCA, are you are you a member yet? If you're not a member, come on, man, get, become a member. Become a member already. There's so many benefits. You get access to the to the health plans, right? You get access to Viva HR. You get access to PCA Overdrive which has a buttload of video content, 500 hours of video content. If you're not a member, it's just $5.99 a month. That's pretty cheap. But if you are a member, it's free with membership. So make sure that you take advantage of all of the content that uh, Chad and his team put together, um, including producing this show um, and the other uh, hosts that we have on the, on the channel. Uh, go to PCA Overdrive or uh, go to PCAPaintEd.org. To download, get a link to download the app, or just go to your app store on your phone and download it. Uh, it's a great app. There's painter training too. Have you guys seen this? You guys, I mean, look, it's uh, we're we're about to kick off the spring season here, and you're gonna make some new hires. What way to get them aligned on their skill set by? Providing them with the painter training, there are three modules that go over prep and painting. Get everybody on the same page. It's beautiful. It's uh, they're great videos. I'm loving it. All right. So today's conversation is coming at a uh, a time where I think that uh, I think this one might be for me. To be honest, you know, the their days in business when you are wearing the heavy. The heavy, heavy hat of owner, the heavy crown of ownership. It feels lonely, yet everybody wants a piece of your time. Everybody's coming to you for their problems, to solve their problems. Uh, you can't get people to to answer to anybody else. You bring in, you promote somebody because you want them to be, you know, a leader, a leader and take some of the uh, pain off of your plate. Um, and yet nobody's going to them. They're all coming to you. Uh, the customers aren't going to the crew leader who's assigned to the job site. They're coming to you. They want to talk to the person at the top. And the the hard part about this, and this, this really, I recognized this in my first company, Hardcore, was that as I was systematically delegating myself out of a job, essentially, that the things that I held on to were the hardest things, uh, the hardest of customer complaint issues. Um, if, uh, if a job was going sideways and the crew, you have somebody quit and that you have a deadline, well, you know, that crew, they don't wanna, you know, you can't find somebody to come in on the weekend, all of a sudden you gotta be there, right? So it, a lot of times it comes back to the owner, All the problems come back to the owner. And if you've delegated wrong, if you've not done this right, you've only left yourself with the worst of the worst of your business. But if you do it right, then I think that there is an opportunity to have a really fulfilling career and a fulfilling life and business to be happy. And so I'm bringing on Mr. Pete Moore back to the show. He was on last year uh, with Simplifying Entrepreneurship. And we're going to talk about how to create a structure of accountability in your company so that you aren't shouldering all of the burden responsibility as an owner, you do carry, ultimately, the buck stops with you. You do carry a lot of the responsibility. And as many of you have listened to the show, you know that I am not uh, really a proponent of a business owner, an absentee business owner. You know, I'm not really, you know, do we all need vacation? Yes, I do believe that. Uh, But laying on the beach all year long, it you know you're gonna get tired of getting sand up your butt crack all right you're gonna want to get back to work so i believe in work i believe in finding a position and a, a place in your company that um that you enjoy that you love that that gets you up in the morning that inspires you that that fulfills you i believe that's part of this life is to is to find work that um that that helps us to grow as as individuals not just be you know on a beach somewhere all year long. Uh but that said you can't take it all. You can't take it all on. You need help and you need to bring people in who are going to help you uh carry the heavy torch. And so um we're going to have a conversation about how to how to keep people involved and in, in uh and accountable to what we're asking them to do. Very excited about today's Conversation. Uh, all right. Well, we should just jump into this. I'm I'm really excited. Let's go ahead and bring on Mr. Pete Moore with simplifying entrepreneurship.
0: Hey, Pete. Welcome to the show. Hey, man. It is fantastic to be here again. Torlando Orlando, loved our chat last time, and and more importantly, um, as a former paint uh, business owner. I love sort of getting back into those 15 years I spent in the paint industry. And it's like thinking about the trials and tribulations that I went through and all the different things. And it's like when we were hopped on a little bit earlier today, it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? It was a cool time of my life. I really loved being in the paint industry and love to be here chatting about it with your audience today, Torlando. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, with your experience, you know, as a as a former paint contractor, but, you know, you've also had a number of other businesses, yeah. different franchises, you mm-hmm. uh, coach a lot of uh, businesses. Um How much of this resonates with your experience as as a business owner, this idea of everybody coming back to the owner going, you know, circumventing. The employees and the structures that you have in place yeah. to get a piece of your time how does how does that feel
0: you know torlando it's uh it's an interesting thing it doesn't matter you said it in the intro it doesn't matter what industry you're in this happens in every industry and that's why you know I, that's why i mean i currently own shoe stores we it happens in shoe stores i oh, have owned cleaning businesses it happened in the cleaning business the, the refinishing business that I had for 15 years. I mean, we sprayed bathtubs, we sprayed cabinets, we sprayed tile. We, I mean, we sprayed everything. We sprayed appliances, yeah. and so I held an HVLP uh, for many, many years. And you know, all of those kind of things. What we're going to talk about here today. It doesn't matter what business you have. It just these kind of things happen all the time. It's about business ownership. It's not necessarily about paint business ownership, it's about business ownership. How do you want to structure your business? It's my belief, Orlando, that we all get into business. I mean, you're you're back in doing the business again, right? You're yeah, you're oh, yeah. doing it. And when you started, cuz it's fresh to you again, why did you take those Like, why did you take the leap back into paint and and back into that industry coming from what you were doing and that sort of stuff? And it's probably because you had these dreams of what business ownership could be for you and do for you, for your life, for your personal life, for your family, for your relationships, for your wealth, for your health, all of those different things. And you chose to become a business owner instead of going to work for somebody again, right? Mm-hmm. yeah 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 for sure and it's because you had this vision and this vision of it's like oh yeah what I think I can have a better life if I do this well what happens is it's been my experience anyway a lot of times people get into business especially in those first instrumental you know sort of one to three years when it's like you and you just got to put your head down and get through stuff it's my sort of been my um experience that you're not getting a lot of those freedoms that you thought you would get when you first started business, especially in those startup years, because it's like, it's, you're grinding it out. You're doing what you got to do. You're making all the calls. You're doing all those things. You're responsible, as you said, for every decision, right? And you kind of need to be when you first start going, right? But then as you roll through that, it's kind of like, hmm, you start thinking about, well, you know, I thought if I ran my own business, I would be able to go away for two weeks and and take a little bit of that sand, you know, that you had mentioned. Uh, not yeah. saying I need to go away for four months, but two weeks would be nice. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And it's like I want a little bit more of those freedoms. And what happens is through those first few years, we get habitualized into making every decision for every single person in our organization, because we kind of had to at the beginning. Yeah. So where do we start sort of saying, I'm not going to make these decisions anymore. And how do I get out of these decisions? Because you know what, there's only so many decision making juices in your body every day. (laughs) And, if If you're making too many of them, you feel drained and drug out by the time it's 10 a m right, you do yeah, yeah, you do and if and I'm asking you, the listener here, if you're feeling as though you are completely drug out and worn out before lunch, it's probably more to do with your mental stress than it is your physical stress. And the mental stress usually comes when you have to think about and make every single decision in your organization. So that's, I think, the exciting thing that we can talk about today is trying to elevate a little bit here so that you become, I call it moving from operator to owner. That transition of moving from operator of managing your business every day and doing all making all these Mm -hmm. to being in an owner's box. And that usually starts, and I, I use the word owner's box because I like um, Gina Wickman's framework uh, that he wrote in the book called Traction, and he uses this idea of having an owner's box at the top of the accountability chart, not the organizational chart, the accountability chart. What does it look like? It looks the same as an organizational chart, and I think anybody listening here has an idea of what an organizational chart is, but yeah. there's a difference when you put that word accountability onto it, because it changes from a title to empowerment. And if you're, you know, general manager, if you're a site manager, any of those different people have a title, but they don't actually have the empowerment that's attached to that, the accountability that's attached to it so that they can make the decisions on your behalf, then you're never going to feel free.
1: Right, right, right. We just had uh, a fellow contractor on the show who who was mentioning the accountability chart. His name is Chris Elliott's last show that we have. Um, And what I loved about that idea of using an accountability chart versus an organization chart Mm -hmm. is that it really is all about defining the list of responsibilities rather than the titles or the um, hierarchy of who's reporting to who. I mean, naturally, there's, you know, that's a a component of it. But more important than anything is just understanding what is the individual's scope of practice. And um, actually, you know, behind me, if you guys aren't uh, on uh, the video uh, behind me, I've got my chalkboard and I'm putting together this series of orientation videos for uh, my new hires. And we're talking about, um, you know, the scope of practice. What is the scope of practice for the painter? What is the scope of practice for the sales rep? What is the scope of practice for the, the office staff? And when we have a clearly defined scope of practice, Everybody knows what is their job versus what what is the other person's job. And a natural tendency, I think, of people, especially employees who want to do well at work, I think a natural tendency is to hold a meeting and say, hey, this is a problem that we're facing. What can we do about it? We come up with some ideas. Uh, We figure out what needs to be done and then people start raising their hands, the do-gooders at least, they start raising their hands and taking on those responsibilities. But without delineation of scope of practice, what's going to happen is one person or two people, those do-gooders, they're going to take on way too much. They're just going to keep piling it on, piling it on, piling it on until they say, I've got too much to do. I need extra help then you try to hire somebody in, you've got extra overhead personnel, and it just ends up kind of a mess. Whereas I believe that a clear scope of practice that would come from this accountability chart would say, uh, hey, you know, Becky, I'm glad that you're raising your hand here to volunteer for this. But I, I think that this is out of uh, out of scope for your your job. I think this goes over here in the production crew or over here to sales crew. And I think it just really allows people to um, not have to take on too much because the worst thing that you could do as an owner, in my opinion, is take all the stuff that you're shouldering and just put it onto a do-gooder in your company who doesn't have a stake in your company. They don't own it, they, uh, but you're just heaping too much responsibility on them. You agree? Am I am I right here? Am I off track? What are your thoughts? <laughs> well,
0: it's one thing to just say, here you go. Uh, it's now yours. But are you actually transferring the accountability and have you actually given them what winning and losing looks like with that accountability? Right. Right. And so that's an interesting piece, too. I mean, one of the one of the things. Uh, that i 'm talking a lot about these days is creating your CPA and the CPA as a leader is not your, your chartered personal or professional accountancy it 's really the mastery of these three things in your business: communication, process, and accountability. and when you were talking about your your chalkboard in behind you, you know you 're setting up a communication situation through your videos and through all these different things you 're setting up a process. Right. that's going to allow that to happen. And then you're assigning accountability. So that falls right into that in, in a nice way that's going to eventually alleviate um, your uh, issues that you're having in making those decisions. And, you know, when I look at even when we're saying coming up with um, structures around, you know, having meetings and talking about issues and problems, I've created this this one-page sheet. It's called Live and Learn, and uh, happy to share it with your audience. But it's all around the four A's. What I call the four A's of accountability to Orlando. And whenever we're transferring this sort of stuff and thinking about accountability and thinking about what it is that we want to transfer accountability to, you know, I the four A's are these: you assess it, address it, align it. And assign it. And when you start doing that sort of thing for whatever problem, like let's just say, um, you know, somebody, I don't know, what what do you think is a current problem that maybe you're dealing with or Torlando to that we can run this model on?
1: Um, I would say that uh, we're uh,
0: currently understaffed. Yeah. So assess it. I mean, the you don't have to actually. This is just to get the ideas out of your crazy mind because as entrepreneurs and business owners, we have crazy minds, right? Torlando, most Mm -hmm, of us, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like a thousand things going through. So what am I doing? I'm just using a process to pop this down on a sheet to get clear because clarity creates confidence and confidence really ignites momentum in getting things done, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to assess it. I need more people uh, and I need better people. So what, what went well and what didn't? So, what I would do is I would really say, okay, well, what went well with our last hire? Outline everything that went, what went really well with our last hire. I would outline what didn't go well with our last hire. And here's a great tool it's, um, you know, from our last podcast. I think we might've mentioned this one on the five P's uh, and people is such an important piece, right? Of your organization. But if here's what you can do whenever you're hiring, you do a list of your worst ever employee and you do a Mm -hmm. list of your best ever. And you could probably think about those people and you know their names right now. Jim was our worst ever and here's why. Tim was our best ever and here's why. Mm -hmm. So what we're now gonna do is we're going to, we have this sort of assessment as to who we want and who we don't want in our organization, because it's just as important to attract as it is to repel, right? So now we can come up with our marketing messengers. That's the address part. So now we've assessed what we need. We need to have the best employees work with us, right? Address what needs to change. Well, hmm, maybe what needs to change is Last time we didn't have enough interview we didn't have enough people to interview. Okay, so now we need to go back to that process mechanism of how do we you know advertise and all of that sort of stuff to obtain the right. You may have you may have done an advertisement for a painter that just did not align with the kind of person you want because you didn't do this first step in right. really aligning that right person okay so now we could use something like chat gpt which we were chatting about uh, earlier here on uh, on before we hopped on the show but something like chat gpt would give you the option to sorry still got me torlando yep. i lost you there for a sec i'm here okay sorry man chat gpt would give you an option to um Basically, quickly write an ad based on some of those things you really liked and didn't like mm. and then come up with that, because that's one of the big pros- uh, process problems that a lot of people have. They just don't know how to get started. So a right. tool like JAT GPT will allow you to plug some of these things in and help you along the way. So now we're addressing what needs to be changed. The changes will happen sort of around maybe that job application but Here's some other things. Think about addressing the changes on how you interviewed. Did the interview right. go well? Did it not go well? Do you, when I was in the paint business, I always did what we call the discovery day, which means they had to come out and work with one of my guys for at least a half a day to see exactly what we did mm-hmm. so that they knew what they were getting into. I mean, when we were spraying, we were using post-catalyzed stuff. So we were wearing fresh air suits. You know, we had uh, exhaust units going, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it wasn't just rolling the walls as far as the fumes go and all that sort of stuff. Right. I the guys to know that they had to do this. It wasn't just... You know, a normal kind of painting job was a little bit different. And people say, oh, yeah, no problem. I've done that. Well, okay, come with us and actually go through the day so that I can see how you're going to react to this, how you react to my customers, all of that sort of stuff. right? Right. Have you implemented a discovery day? So it just Doing this process really starts just outlining what the things you need to change so that the next time it's better. And then when you have this all done, you can have assign it to somebody, right? So now I'm going to say align it. So first one was assess it. What do we need? We need to hire better people, address it. Here's how we're going to do some of those things and the changes we're going to need to make. Now I'm going to align it. Who or what can help? So I just said with a what you know, ChatGPT might be able to help something like this. Or maybe if I call one of my fellow paint um, company contractors through the PCA, they're going to know how to better hire and I'll be able to find out some information, all of that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A line who can help and then assign it. So who will own this accountability in the future? And I'll flip it back to we own some shoe stores now. Um, I don't hire the sales team for our shoe stores. My general manager hires the shoot the people I would hire a general manager because that's on my level of accountability, but I don't hire for people two levels down. The person who's their direct boss hires that person Mm. because we've set up the right process to Orlando in order to hire that. And we've agreed upon it and we've used it and we've tweaked it all of those different things along the way. I feel confident that Jen, who's my store manager, will make a better hire even than I will because she's the one who's in that position of accountability. So ultimately I have assigned accountability for hiring to her on that position. If I was hiring for her position, she's a direct report of mine. So I would be hiring that. But from, from this perspective, it's like, listen, I'm not the person to people will come to me often and say, Hey, um, you know, can you put in, I can put in a word of course, I'm I'm still the owner, but at the same time, it's not my accountability. And if, if my person who I've charged with the accountability doesn't like that person, I'm going to take their opinion more than I am going to take the opinion of the person that has asked me to put in a word because I've assigned accountability. Like right. I would be going against the grain there if I didn't actually empower that person to make that decision. Right, 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 right.
1: So... Then comes like the, you know, the assignment you like you're, or you're talking about assigning that person. Um, What about when, you know, this, this could be either that individual that was hired or it could even be a customer. What about when they're circumventing
0: the direct report (laughs) to get to you? How do you deal with that? That's a leadership issue Torlando. Orlando. Yeah. So when, when we see this kind of thing happen, it's usually because, the person hasn't officially, like, hasn't actually given over the reins yet. Okay? Mm-hmm. When you give over the reins, you basically say, like I just said, while you're talking to the wrong person for hiring, I don't do the hiring. You need to talk to Jen. Here's her email. And you can just reach out to Jen. She will accept your resume. She will do the interview. And she will hire or fire, mm-hmm. right? So usually when anytime anybody's going around, it's the job of the person who is being asked the question to reflect back down. Yeah. And so in my, in my situation, I just reflected back down and I would say, well, have you talked to Jen yet for this? No, I haven't. She's the person you need to talk to first. Yeah. yeah, Can I, can I give you her email? Can I give you her contact information? Because I'm not answering this question. My answer is it has to go through the right chain of command. Right, 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 right. Because and, now I've done a disservice to Jen if I've answered that question.
1: Right. And that can be tricky, you know, especially I think in a, in a customer service issue where um, it just, it can, if you don't do it right, I think it can feel like you are just trying to ignore the problem or that you don't care about the problem. Um, you know, I, I, I think I like the way that you, you did it, you know, you definitely did it with a smile on your face and, and, uh, and all that. But I think my concern is, you know, does it, uh, does it just look like I don't care about
0: the issue? In my, in my uh, opinion, um, no, it doesn't. And, uh, so there's, there's a couple of things. And like I said, I've been there. I've, dealt with service-oriented problems, I mean, uh, those kind of things. But but ultimately, you mentioned it, I think, in the intro too, that ultimately we are the supreme, let's call it, decision maker within our yeah. businesses, right? It's our business. But for 99% of the issues, we're talking about minor things. Like, why are you coming to me when you need to buy a uh, six-pack of rollers, This is wrong. Like those kind of things. You shouldn't be coming to me for that. This is, can be done at, at lower levels of the business. You know, the process, Mm -hmm. you know, where you have to go. You know, you have authority to do this. Don't even ask. You have authority up to whatever $500 to make whatever product uh, purchases you need to make. And those are all process pieces. So if, if any of these things have got through those layers of process, Then, yeah, I mean, that's when you do need to make and use your decision making juices at the end of the day, Torlando. If it's got through all of the process that's already in place and through all the accountabilities that are already in place to the point where it's risen to your level, then that is the decision you should be making. Mm -hmm. My Mm -hmm. issue is that if minor decisions like these things, hey, can I go get put gas in the car and hey, um, should I go to this job or that job? Well, those things should be made by an operational manager, not necessarily by you. And if, right. there's a, if there's some major issues and if process needs to be changed, then those are the things you should be involved with. Because we, we started off by saying, you know, there's only so many decision making juices in the day. So do you want to use them all up with the smallest decisions or do you want to use them all up with the biggest decisions? It's my right. feeling that I want to be using them all up with the biggest ones
1: yeah yeah well and uh, you know and i think that that certainly speaks to the strengths of a business owner um you know needing to kind of you know preserve your time and your attention to those things but i also think that this protects the um the weaknesses of the business owner as well and the how where my mind goes to is that you know when you are the owner Um, maybe you're initially writing the policies and you're writing the uh, procedures and things like that. Like those are your rules. And, um, you know, you kind of in the back of your mind know how important or how arbitrary some of those rules are. And I think it is the disposition of of a lot of leaders to uh, be great at creating processes uh, but being horrible at following them themselves. And so, you know, I think for any company, um, especially in, in our industry, you know, they're really, there are really just two components of, you know, of the business there's, you know, get the work and do the work, you know, everything, everything else just can really just fall under the hood of like, are you getting the work and are you doing the work? And, um, and i think that as a business owner if there is a problem and you're trying to uh problem solve you have far too much flexibility and way too much creativity to be in charge of following and and keeping you know yourself accountable to those processes and so i think it's really important in in especially in a painting company that you do work to the point of getting a sales rep and getting a you know, production lead um, and those two individuals not being you, um, but you being the leader of those of those people, because when those things happen, when the, you know, when a crew leader or a painter or something like that needs this, you know, six pack of rollers, uh, you know, they're going to go to the production manager who their job is to follow the policy. They didn't invent the policy. Their job is to follow it and force it, whereas as the owner, you're going to you're going to make exceptions all the time to all those rules. And, and all of a sudden you're you know driving down to the paint store and and, uh, you know, being a being a boy, which, I, you know, which I don't mind, you know, as I'm not above it. It's just that um, at the end of the day, you have to figure out what is you know going to be the most profitable activity for for everyone that's involved.
0: Yeah, there's only so many hours in the day, Torlando, you know, and um, the reality of it is, is as the leader or owner of your business, you need to be spending those hours, those precious minutes doing the thing that is going to elevate your business the most. And when you elevate your business the most, you can earn more profit. When you earn more profit, you can have more freedom. And everybody gets into business because they want more freedom and freedom is uniquely different to every single person. And Mm -hmm. that's okay, Right. But basically, without the profit in your business, you have no freedom and you are going to just continue to, you know, um, struggle and, and work through all of these different things until you get your business to a profitable level. And by doing these kind of things and setting up accountabilities and setting up the right process and by having the right people in place that's when you start becoming profitable. And the accountability is along those things. I mean, when I think about setting process, Torlando, I set very little process in my businesses. Mm. So um, you had mentioned a lot of times it's up to the owner to do that. And in, in micro businesses, maybe it is, like if you're one to four or five people. And then as you as you start building from that, then typically what I like to do is when I assign an accountability to somebody, I have them make the process for whatever they're looking to have done. And then my job as a leader is to come in, give me the executive summary. Do I agree with it? Does it align with our promise? Does it align with what we're trying to do? And if it does, rubber stamp it. But I don't want to create the process that I basically just say, do it. Um, I want them to be involved with the process, get get backing it maybe even create it themselves so they're empowered about this process so they feel as though they have uniquely um, worked on this and been a part of developing this so that they feel as though they can make the decision on it right and so that's when you start to get real empowerment within those so most often i will have whoever's accountable for any of those different pieces create the process piece and if they want, I'll give them a template or something like that or come up with something uh, briefly, and then I'll say, tweak this out the way you want it, and then let's discuss it. And before we release it to everyone else, then, and often they will release it, not me, because it's their accountability, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that to a degree. I, I do I do think that there are some pitfalls in it. Um, one being that sometimes, like, I, there are... Uh, you can hire a a trail hiker or you can hire a trailblazer and you got to know who that, who that person is when, before you hire them, because if they're, if they're a trail hiker, they are the kind of people who they need a plan. They need something that's laid out. They're not going to, if you say, no, I want you to develop that process they're they're going to not know where to begin. They're going to spend way too much time trying to figure something out when really they'd be happy not reinventing the wheel and just having a plan. That's a trail hiker. The trailblazers, uh, they're the exact opposite. They want yeah. to discover the new way. And 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 I know this because that's me like I'm, me I'm a trailblazer type of person. If I go into a company um, and and, it, and they don't have a process. Great. I will help you create that process. If you give me a process, I'm going to go through it and I'm going to say, this is dumb. This is dumb. This is dumb. Let's do it this way. And, and, that, and so when, you know, when I was getting hired, I needed people to understand. I tried to be very clear. This is who you're hiring. You're hiring somebody who is going to lay out this process. The problem with hiring a trailblazer is that they will keep blazing new trails after they've created a process. And <laughs> they won't, they won't follow their own plan. It's the and path so, of destruction.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I do, I, I agree to, to the extent that, um, that for some people having a little bit of ownership over that process is going to give them the buy-in, but I think you have to know who that person is that you're yeah, sitting, you, you know, sitting with you
0: Um, I agree. And and I mean, uh, one of the tools that I use um, with all of my um, team, basically, it's called Colby, K-O-L-B-E. It's a great assessment tool. And um, it's one that I uh, work with all my clients. I put them through Colby as well so that I have an idea as to what they're looking for. And it's one of our it's one of the processes and it's one of the ways that I assign accountabilities as well in understanding that. And we talk about that and we talk about our relationships and our communication, right? Communication, process, accountability around those different things so that everything's going to run the way we need it to run with the clear sort of idea around our company promise and that company promise is you know um, what whatever it may be for yours you know having uh, you know living living in the house of your dreams or what mm-hmm. what whatever it might be for your particular paint business you know uh, those kind of things it's like everything has to tie back to that promise that theme that sort of um, that all, all of what it is you're doing and why you're doing it every decision needs to tie back to that. So, right. you know, any, any accountability level of the business, if everybody on your team doesn't know what that promise is. So here's the difference uh, with a promise. We talked about it, I think, back in our last episode. But just to recap a little bit, you know, to me, people have sort of um, – Missions and visions and all of that sort of stuff. Those are more internal documents for for you and your team, right? The mission and the vision and all that sort of stuff. The promise is more outwardly facing. So, you know, at Shootopia, what do we want to do? Uh, We want to help people uh, look great and feel fantastic, like at the end of the day. When you buy a pair of shoes, you want to close your eyes and and go, ah, those feel awesome. And you want to look in the mirror and you want to go, ooh, I look pretty good, right? So Mm -hmm. I look good and I feel fantastic. That's my promise. So what I'm asking you, the listener, is what's your promise for your paint business so that every decision that you make and every accountability that you align and assign goes back to that so that it happens. Because decisions, that's why we have accountability for Mm decision-making, decisions should be made at the lowest possible level of your organization every time. So decisions, I'll say it again, because it's so important. Decisions should be made at the lowest possible level of your organization every time your client doesn't want to have to go through three levels of people and then try to get a hold of the owners at another job site or whatever the case is in order to get a decision made. That's not good customer service. Good customer services. They ask a question. You answer them. Right. Right. And so. But with the knowledge that if process is in place to answer those questions along the way with different levels of accountability, getting back to our earlier conversation, very little stuff should ever get back to you at that level of of your business. If you have a couple of layers in there, you have a general manager and you have site supers or whatever the case is. By the time it gets to you, it's got to be a real problem. And that's the ones you should be involved with.
1: Right. Very good. Very good. So so if we get this accountability stuff right, what is what does our life look like as owners?
0: Well, to me, um, I'll, I'll take it back to my paint years, uh, you know, because I've always almost had almost always had two businesses on the go at one given time. So I couldn't be everywhere at every time. You know, uh, with in the paint years, uh, we serviced almost every major landlord in the town that I lived in. We, uh, you know, refinished over a thousand bathtubs a year, along with all sorts of other stuff that we did. Uh, We were in, you know, probably fifteen hundred apartments um, a year. And, you know, so we were pounding out a lot of stuff and a lot of people and a lot of, you know, connections and all this sort of stuff. I wasn't the person involved with all of those. And I was at the beginning and I had to be in order till we as we grew. But when I got that business rolling and had somebody in place that was running that the way I wanted and the way I needed it to run. It allowed me the freedom to go and do something else, which is when I got into the cleaning business. And we took the cleaning business that had 30 people and grew it to 300 or 30 um, clients and grew it to 300 clients. At the same time, we were doing all the bathtub work. And mm-hmm. I mean, we sprayed mostly bathtubs but we did all sorts of other stuff, too. And, um, you know, that couldn't have happened had I not had my first business running on rails right so the idea of creating a turnkey business and by the way if you're ever thinking or maybe in the position right now of thinking about either retiring or selling your business down the road nobody wants to buy a business that they have to work 80 hours a week in. right people want to buy a business that's already running for them they come they sit down in the desk and they're like okay what's going on today guys that's the kind of business that most people want to buy as business owners, as investors, right? right. And then they're thinking, how can I put my you know, ways of doing things on top of it and make it even better? But at the same time, if they're buying a job, why don't they just start a, their own business and do their own thing then? I mean, it's not like painting is incredibly hard to get into. I mean, if you can market and if you can, you know, go out to your local paint store and and you have some basic knowledge, you can get into it. What makes you uniquely different and all this other stuff and what makes your business even more valuable are those connections, those processes, all of the different things that the way you have grown your business, that's uniquely different from anyone else. That's what makes your business more profitable. Having those things stamped and in alignment that's when you know you have something of true value, right? As opposed to just a job.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Awesome. So you got, you, have a, you have a worksheet for us, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the four A's. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, if you're thinking and you want to, you know, get those crazy crazies out of your head and onto a sheet that makes, I love frameworks to Orlando. I'm mean, yeah. always putting things into frameworks. I need them for myself. We were yeah. talking a little bit about sort of, you know, the, uh, the trailblazer. Well, if you're, if you're one of those people that just has so many ideas and so many things, you need to put things in frameworks so that you can make sense and make better decisions out of it. And that's what this does. It's called Live and Learn. And from that perspective, it takes the four A's and allows you to think through how you're going to assign accountability on any given thing. It could be something that's as small as who's going to pick up the six pack of rollers to something as big as what happens when somebody, you know, and I've, we've done this. We had a pot of paint fall off the HVLP, splash on the floor, splash all over somebody's, um, you know, uh, couch and mm. what now? right? Who's accountable? (laughs) So when any of these things happen in your business, you can just take this sheet, write this stuff down, and then you have a clear picture of what the live and learn sort of atmosphere of what can happen, what do we need to do process-wise, and who's going to be accountable for this next time it happens. Something Mm -hmm. as simple as that to something that's much more complex. Yeah,
1: definitely. So uh, if you want to download that uh, worksheet, which I, I took a look at, it, and it's a pretty good looking worksheet. looks uh, helpful. Go to simplifying, simplifyingentrepreneurship.com backslash 4AS, 4As to download it. Great. Uh, awesome. Well, do you have any last words of wisdom or advice for our good listeners?
0: To Orlando, we could talk all day. I mean, I, I love uh, the paint industry. It brings back so many great memories. You know what, and some of my best memories aren't necessarily the jobs, they're the people. Yeah. And. It's the clients it's, you know, it's taking them from their pain to their, you know, when, when we refinish those bathtubs or whatever the case is, it was green and now it's white and they're going, Oh my God, this is the best ever, you know, giving people, it's a very rewarding business when you see the results of your hard work and it doesn't have to be that hard. So that's, you know, love, I love our conversations. Uh, Great to reconnect with you and great to speak here with all of your audience. Awesome. Thanks, Pete. We'll see
1: you next time. All right, there we go. Pete Moore with Simplifying Entrepreneurship, uh, simplifyingentrepreneurship.com. Uh, he's a, a, a Business Made Simple certified coach. And uh, and so if you guys are looking for a, a coach to kind of help you with, uh, you know, every aspect really of, of your business, beginning to end, um, you know, ranging from, you uh, Mission and value uh, uh, statements, um, guiding principles, uh, sales, marketing, finance—the the, the business made simple uh, framework is really really uh, positive thing. So I I, I check that out. Um, great conversation today. Uh, you know I. I in my mind i have all these little things that i know that i need to kind of uh polish up a little bit you know i have a lot of things that i feel like oh yeah we're doing we're doing a good thing there um and i think that just day by day <laughs> you know you just got to chip at it a little bit at a time put together um, you know, uh, an email here that's going to go out and lay out the expectations of who to talk to when things go wrong, who's responsible for what? You know, one thing that is is going to be my mind on my mind, and I'm actually going to go to the paint ed group uh, on Facebook and ask this question of when it comes to circumstances in the business where you have a customer where maybe something goes wrong and it's kind of fuzzy as to whether it's paint related production related or customer related right i had a you know great example here um recently we had a color um challenge where uh it ended up you know the customer picked a, a really bright uh color and um you know it was uh it's good looking color it just took five coats So was this the customer's responsibility because they picked the color? Is it the uh, paint manufacturer's responsibility for helping us to find a base that's going to actually cover? Um, Is it our responsibility to, you know, to to ensure that we're making, uh, you know, doing the proper recommendations? That one to me is a little fuzzy in terms of who owns that. And, and so I'm going to go to the Paint Ed Group and ask those questions and uh, hopefully get some answers. And, and I suggest that you do that too. Um, if you're on Facebook, go uh, join the, the Paint Ed uh, Group where you can ask a lot of cool questions um, you know, related to that. And, and let's keep that conversation going um, that we had today about accountability and setting up these kind of processes for you know, assessing, addressing, aligning, and assigning our team on how to get things done. Uh, love it. If you want to listen to this episode again, make sure that you go to PCA Overdrive and uh, download the app. Um, you can also subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, um, what well, they call it, Apple Podcasts now, um, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, all of those uh, event, uh, all of those, uh, those podcast uh, platforms, feel free to, to go there um thank you for your time and attention today my name is torlando i am your host and this has been paint Painthead
0: painted podcast are produced by the painting contractors association and are made possible by members and industry partners to find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining pca visit pcapainted.org